Um, if we haven't met, my name is Joe Deeks. I am one of the leaders here at Branches. I actually, I lead our student ministry that takes place every Wednesday night on the other side of this curtain, 6 to 8 p.m. So if you're a student between the grades of 7th and 12th grade, come check us out. Um, so we are actually, we are working through a series about having a disciplined life, a disciplined life so that we can be godly, so that we can be like God. I want you to understand when I say that, I'm not saying that we can be God, but we want to be like him, right? We want to have his character just like dripping off of us. And so back in the ancient times, when like when Jesus lived within the Jewish culture, they had this thing called discipleship. And discipleship looked like this. Like you would have these rabbis that all they did was just study the word of God and all the different translations. And they would all have like different ways that they would interpret the word of God. And so as a a young Jewish kid, you would be admiring the rabbis within your community. And so you might pick a rabbi that you really like what he taught. And so you would go to that rabbi and you would ask, hey, I want to be your disciple. And so then the rabbi would consider whether you had what it took to be his disciple. And so if he said that you could be his disciple, then you would, mind you, you're, you're about the age of 12 to 13, you would drop everything and move in with this rabbi, and you would study everything about this rabbi, like how he eats, how he sleeps, how he walks, what he thinks that the word of God says on this particular passage, or, or how to deal with things within the community according to how he viewed the scripture. And so you would just study everything about this rabbi and just absorb all that he had. So that when this rabbi's time was done and he left earth, um, you could then take all that knowledge of that rabbi and then you could be that rabbi and you would pass on your teachings to another set of disciples. And so that was, that's kind of what discipleship meant back then. Now, in Matthew 28, 16 through 19, Jesus commands his disciples to go out and make disciples, right? We're all kind of familiar with that verse. It's one we really stand on here at Branches. Well, as we were praying for this up-and-coming year for 2019, we knew that God was asking us to go out into the community of Warsaw and make disciples. And what we need to be careful of, though, first, is not to put the cart before the horse. And what, what I'm saying by that is, before we can go out and make disciples, we first have to sit at our rabbi's feet and be a disciple. Which is why we are focusing this first part of the year on spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are simply spiritual exercises we do to help us to become more like Christ. These are disciplines that we put into our lives that, so that we can be godly. Because you just don't like wake up one day, right? And go, ah, today I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it all. I'm going to move to Calcutta. And I'm going to just take in all the orphans. Right? I, I mean, you don't really see that happening. Like you're just doing your life and then, oh yeah, today I'm going to, to the, do the homeless ministry and I'm moving in with them. No, we have to train our spirit a lot like we would a muscle. And in the beginning, it's like, it's really hard and it's uncomfortable and we don't know if we're doing it right, but that's what it looks like to practice these spiritual disciplines. 
Now, we've been talking a lot about different disciplines like solitude and fasting and gratitude. And this week, I get to bring a fun one. I get to bring practicing the presence of God. Right now, you're probably going like, what? What does that mean? Sounds a little new agey. I don't know about this. Really, it's, it's not. It's really simple. It's just being awake to God's presence being around us. And I'm going to ask you all this question and consider it. Am I awake? And if so, how awake am I? There's this quote. I'm going to say the name's guy, the guy's name completely wrong. So you can correct me afterwards. But Jean-Pierre Descousins made this statement. The surest sign that you're awake is that you are aware of your surroundings. And the surest sign that you're asleep is that you're not. The present moment is all that matters. About a year or so ago, I I had gotten into this habit. I would get up early in the morning. And if you know me, I don't agree with morning. I think it was a bad idea. And um, I also don't agree with the middle of the day. About five o'clock is usually when I'm like, hey, I'm awake. Let's get going. But I had gotten into this habit and, and my husband would drag me over to the CrossFit um, box over here and we would work out and about halfway through the workout, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm, al- I'm alive and I'm doing a lot of exercise. <laughs> but, but then it would kick in and, and if you guys have ever exercised, um, there's this thing that kind of takes place afterwards where all of a sudden you're just like, whoo, I feel amazing. And um, so that would happen. And so I decided like, hey, I just finished here. I feel like I have a lot of energy. The day's still really young. I'm going to go hit the trails over in Winona and just kind of make this a time with me and God just walking there. And so I would download a bunch of books I might be listening to or a series sermon or even just put worship on and just walk in the trails and just absorb nature. Well, this particular time, we were doing our, our life group, and we were studying the book, The Good and Beautiful God. And uh, I was preparing for that night. I had read the chapter. And then at the end of the chapter, it has these things called soul training. So you would do, this particular week, we were doing gratitude. And then at the end of the chapter, it gave you something to practice each day for that week. And so this one was like, make a list of 10 things every day for that week, but you can't use the same 10 things. So you had to move on beyond like, I'm thankful for my family and my children and God, which, which I'm thankful for. But the point was to get us to go deeper and really recognize like how good God has been to us and how good he is. And so, so we went from like, you know, just like that into like, I'm I'm thankful for food and that it has flavor. If you think about that, there are so many different flavors all around the world and so many different spices. And he didn't have to do that. He could have just created like just one spice, you get salt, which in and of itself is still a pretty amazing spice. But we got cumin and we got oregano and rosemary and, and smoked paprika. Like we, we'd taken regular paprika and now we got smoked paprika. If you guys have not had that spice, it's awesome. And so, so there's all these different flavors. And I'm so thankful for that, you know? And, and then you get to like texture, like the way your favorite sweater feels, you know, or, or like fuzzy animals. What if all the, what if all the animals were just like skin, like those ugly cats or chihuahuas? Um, (laughs) 
some of you, I know you guys think a chihuahua is a dog. It's not. (laughs) But so, and you start doing this and you just start realizing God is so good. He, he's, you know, there's a lot of crappy stuff that happens in this world, but there's a lot of amazing things that God has surrounded us with. Well, this particular day, it was a heavy day. I didn't know how I was going to do life group that night. I had some family drama going on, which I know none of you have been through that, but it was, it was uh, weighing heavy on me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I just can't get into this. I'm not feeling it. And so, so I feel like God was saying like, you know, just put on some worship music and, and make a list in your head of the things that you're thankful for. So I go ahead and do that. And I'm listing these things and I've got the music in my ears. And then it was like everything shifted. I went from thinking about the things that I was thankful for to them being completely absorbed and everything around me. I'm, I'm noticing like the sun just beating down on my face and there was like this light breeze and, and, and it was like that time in morning where, you know, the sun rises up and the, the, it's like rays are shining through the trees and it's kind of got this golden hue. That's like the perfect time to take a photo guys. If you sunset and sunrise, great lighting. And, and I'm feeling this and I'm just like, just so taken with what everything is around me. And then, and then it was like God all of a sudden started like choreographing all the leaves and bugs and birds in beat with the music that was playing in my ears. It was crazy. Like, I know it sounds, oh, sure, Joe, but no, it, I, I literally felt like God was like, cue the butterfly. And it flies right at that time, you know, when the music's going, you know, and, and then it was as if God was just, I could feel him intensely staring down, like just completely locked on me as if to say, I know you. And I felt so alive. Every fiber of my being was so alive. And it was, everything made sense. All the chattering in my head was gone. I felt so much peace. And I have to say that that feeling didn't last very long, probably by like the duration of the song or something. And I'm walking back to my car and life starts, you know, taking place again. But my whole attitude was changed and affected for the course of that day. I still had to go through the family drama. I still had to try and figure out how to lead life group, but it was, I had this like supernatural peace and I, I felt so alive and things were so real. Have you guys ever had a moment like that? A moment where you just felt like life makes sense and I know I have a purpose and I know God is in control and he is here with me right now. Are you awake? If God is a present at all places, at all times, which is what the Bible teaches us, that he is omnipresent, which just means to be present at all times and all places, then God is a part of our surroundings each and every moment. In Acts 17, 28, Paul says this, in him, we live and move and have our being. The question is, are you aware that God is surrounding you? Are you awake to his presence right now? I'm going to read a psalm to you. I'm going to read Psalms 138. And I just, I don't want you to look it up. I just want you to absorb the words. Let them just penetrate into your heart as I read this. You have searched me, Lord. 
you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Nowhere. Where can I flee from your presence? God's presence is everywhere, guys. Are you awake to his presence this morning? Or does he seem like this? Like I felt, I feel like this a lot of times that he's far off and I'm, I'm throwing these prayers up to him. Like, Hey, I hope you, I hope you catch this. I'm really going through some stuff. I'm really hoping that maybe, maybe you'll come through. And it just feels like it's, yeah, like this thing that we're supposed to do at Christians, but we're really not even sure, you know, he hears or, or, or really works. But it says in this Psalm that he is right here, right now in this moment, in this present moment. And this present moment is actually all that is real. The past is gone and the future is not yet. We can remember the past and we can anticipate the future, but we always do so in this moment. And the single most important aspect of reality is that God is present in every moment. To forget that God is present is to forget the most important aspect of that moment. I'm going to say that again. To forget that God is present is to forget the most important aspect of that moment. Are you guys awake to that? As I'm speaking, are you aware that God is closer to you than the air that you are breathing? At this very moment, you are being completely surrounded by the ocean of God's perfect love. That's, that's heavy. I want to do a quick little exercise. I'm going to do it myself. And I want us all to close our eyes. And as you close your eyes, I just want you to recognize that God is occupying the same space that you are occupying. I just want you to recognize. I don't want you to try and feel it. I just want you in your mind to just recognize that. And then as you take the next couple breaths... Just recognize that God is in every breath. Now, I want you to open your eyes, but I want you to remain mindful of that fact that God is in this moment. And then see how long you can remain awake to that fact. If you can't stay in that place very long, it's don't beat yourself up. Like I said, we are trying new muscles that maybe have not been worked before. And so just know that, you know, this is a new thing for some of us. Practicing the presence of God is actually one of the most simplest and easiest of the spiritual disciplines. Uh, You can do this no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter who you're with. You can be practicing the presence of God while you're standing up here talking to a bunch of people. You can be practicing the, God, the presence of God if you're giving an exam in your class or, or just changing dirty diapers. This, because all it is is, is just making yourself recognize that God is present in that moment. 
It's, it's the simplest one, and yet at the same time, it can be the, one of the most difficult ones because it's not doing the discipline that makes it hard. It's the remembering that's going to make it a challenge. Um, that moment that I had on the trail when I felt like God was so tangible uh, and just so there is not something I experience all the time. Honestly, I, I think those moments are actually really rare. And, and I thank God when we do have them, but we don't live in that space, right? And, and so practicing the presence of God is not about creating a feeling like I feel like God is present. It is just simply telling your mind and, and, and like renewing your mind to, to say that God is present. Um, there was this guy a monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. Have any of you guys heard of him? If you grew up in the Catholic Church, I'm almost sure you know Brother Lawrence. Uh, anyway, he was this, uh, this guy. He lived in France during the 1600s, and he fought in the 30-year war. And he had this encounter with God. He's sitting up on a hill, and he, and he sees this tree. And this tree is just completely stripped of its leaves. And, and, and it seems to be just dead with no life in it. And he's sitting there looking at this tree and just thinking, I feel like this tree. I feel like life has just been stripped away from me and I'm just dead. And then he starts to think about how low in the spring, this tree will once again be rejuvenated and be alive and budding with new foliage and life. And this was the point of his conversion uh, he later joins this Catholic order and was assigned to kitchen duties to uh, cook and clean for over 150 monks. Like there's not even, I don't think, 150 of us here in this room. So, so this is no light duty. And if any of you guys have worked in a kitchen or even just done three meals a day, like, like we're doing the full meal, not just cereal and a milk, um, you know that you start in the morning and you prep and you put it all out there and everybody eats and then it's a mess and then you got to put all the food away and then all of that. And then you only have time for like a quick cigarette and a potty break and then it's on to the next meal, right? You know, <laughs> so, so this is no light task. But it was in these mundane chores that he learned to practice the presence of God. And I'm sure we've all experienced mundane chores, like, folding laundry is the most pointless chore out there. Amen. There is a step. If we want to streamline this and really be productive, we have a whole step in there that should not be in there. And that is the folding of the laundry. I get the cleaning, you know, and, and drying and stuff like that. But folding makes no sense. Because you, you, you take these clothes, you fold them all up. Somebody just grabs them, puts them on, and throws them back down. And, and I feel like, hey, here, just here's your clothes. Take what you want. I felt that way until you guys have probably seen this, that show on Netflix with that cute little Japanese girl <laughs> where she shows you how to fold your laundry like origami. This is revel like illusionized my world because now it's not a chore. It's arts and crafts for me. <laughs> well, Brother Lawrence... Learn how to allow God into every moment, having an open conversation with God in his mind at all times. It turned what felt like a pointless job into a joyful experience. So he's no longer just folding laundry, he's making origami all day. 
he was to become known as the brother with this supernatural peace, like so supernatural that people are getting wind of him and, and people above his station, like other cardinals are writing to go, hey, what, what's your trick? Like, how do you stay in this peace where just like you're so alive and just have, have so much, you know, confidence in God and, and doing things that are, eh, you know, boring and stuff. And so even to this day, we have this book called Practicing the Presence of God, which are these letters written to a cardinal. And so if you get the chance to read it, I highly recommend it. It is so boring, but it's really full of a lot of good stuff. Um, <laughs> I know you're like, what? First uh, Thessalonians 5.16 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, before I understood practicing the presence of God, I have to say this was actually a really, really hard verse for me. I, I feel like when God gives you commands like this, like they're doable. Somehow you should be able to live like this. And I get the be joyce, joyful always, right? That's just the attitude that you approach life. But, but to like sit there and just be like, I'm gonna pray continually. How do you do that? How do I do my life and pray continually? Does that make sense? Like, I really struggle with that. Like, this is something I should be able to do, and yet it seems absolutely impossible. And then I began to realize that it's because I'm approaching it from my Western culture mindset. And what I mean by that is we like to compartmentalize things. So we have, like, our family life, and then we have our work life, and then we maybe have our health life. And then, and then our God life and our prayer life. And we like to keep things nice and neat and in their place. And sometimes they overlap and that's okay, but you, you just tend to segregate. And I think we don't even know we're doing it, honestly. So, so, so our prayer life seems impossible because it seems like you can't do both at the same time. But, but brother Lawrence brought Christ into all of his dealings at all moments. Prayer is really more like having a constant friend by your side and you're having conversation the whole time. You know, have you ever been like, you know, had to work with people or your friend was there and you still had to do your stuff, but you, you just had them there and it kind of made it easier and fun and you're having good conversation and you don't even know that you're doing the dishes. That's more of what it looks like. If you guys have ever seen that movie or that play, Fiddler on the Roof, um, if you haven't, You'll probably be invited to some high school performance at some point in your life. But um, this guy in this movie named Tevia, I think, models more of what it looks like to pray continually. So we're actually going to watch this. God, was that necessary? <laughs> Did you have to make him lame just before the Sabbath? <sighs> that wasn't nice. It's enough you pick on me. Bless me with five daughters, a life of poverty. That's all right. But what have you got against my horse? Really, sometimes I think when things are too quiet up there, you say to yourself, let's see, what kind of mischief can I play on my friend Tevier? 
So you're finally here, my breadwinner. I'll talk to you later. So why are you late today? His foot went lame. Well, hurry up. The sun won't wait. And I have something important to say to you. Still have some deliveries in the village. You'll be late for the Sabbath. I won't be late. You'll be late. I won't be late. I won't be late. If you ever stop talking, I won't be late. You can die from such a man. As the good book says, heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. In other words, send us the cure. We've got the sickness already. The point um, I was hoping to make with this was that this guy, Tevye, is having this open conversation with God, like he's a friend that's with him. Now, I don't agree with the fact that God is like picking on Tevye, but Tevye is being honest with how he feels with God. Through the whole course of this movie, it seems that God is never far from Tevye's mind because he always is popping in and out of these conversations. It's as if he knows that God is present with him. I want you guys to now do a quick test and just be honest with yourself. Have I been able to remain aware that God is present with me as as I've been talking? And of course, that really doesn't matter because that is now in the past. So right now, just take a quick moment and just remind yourself, God is present with me right now and we are being surrounded by his love. Now, I I want to... um, Remind you that, that this, this uh, spiritual discipline is not challenging at all, but it's in the remembering that is going to make it a challenge. And so uh, I have a few like tips and tricks to help us to maybe even practice this this week. Um, you guys are familiar with these little sticky notes, right? Uh, so you could take these little sticky notes and you can just put them anywhere you want. And every time you see one of these sticky notes... You know, you, you, you just remind yourself that God is present with you at all times and, and place it all over your house. You know, have you guys ever studied like another language where you get that book and it has all the different stickers in another language of what this means in French or whatever? And it has like window, door, cat. Who puts cat on their cat as if that's going to stay? But you get the idea. You just put them anywhere. And so then throughout the day, when you see that sticky note, you just remind yourself, God is with me at this moment. Remember, we're not doing a feeling. I'm not trying to feel God present. I'm telling my mind, God is present at this moment. And so as you see this, you start realizing that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm involving God a lot more in just my thoughts. And, and as the, the weeks go on, what you'll actually want to do is you'll want to... Uh, take those sticky notes and move them to other places. Because a lot of times, once we get familiar with something, then we, we don't see it anymore. So that's one really good, simple way to just start practicing that God is present with me at all times. Another one, this is kind of fun, is called the minute game. And monks have been doing this for centuries. Uh, it's where you take a set of like amount of time, and I always say start small. So take five minutes and set a timer. And for those five minutes, at the top of every minute, that timer should go off and you just simply say, God is present with me. Or whatever you want to tell yourself to just engage with the fact that God is with you at that moment. And you can start working yourself up to, to an hour. Some monks will take a whole day and just do this. And 
And it just, it's, it, it really is amazing. Another really good one that I like is um, in the morning and in, in the evening, just bringing God's awareness at the beginning of the day and at the end. So set something on your dresser, or you could even, if you sleep on your back, I don't know who does that, but put a sticky note up there. And uh, when you see that, before your feet hit the ground, just say good morning to God. And, and maybe you can even just do a, a quick prayer of like, hey, just be with me today. Help remind me that you are walking with me every step of the, of the day. And then as you go the, to bed that evening, as you see whatever it is, you know, it could be just a rock or whatever. Um, say goodnight. I'm thanking for being with you and, and just start, start, you know, whatever. You know what I mean. <clears throat> anyway. We've talked about what practicing the presence of God is, and we've talked about ways to do it. And you're probably sitting there asking yourself, but why? Why do I need to practice the presence of God? When I knew I was going to be preaching on this subject, I began uh, doing this like probably in the fall, October, November, and just even starting some of these exercises in my own life. And I cannot even begin to tell you how much it has transformed me. Just simply telling my mind that God is with me at all times. It's, it's like, you know how you struggle with stuff? And I'm going to be completely honest here. I, I struggle with anger a lot. I always have. And fits of rage. I have, my family can definitely attest that. I have ruined relationships in just a few moments because I can get just so angry. And, but it's something that I consciously don't want to do. And I, I really go out and I really try. Okay, I feel real. I feel annoyed. I know today's going to be a tough day. But I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get angry. And the next second I, I'm just blowing up. And so it's, it's a lifelong process that I've been battling of just like, hey, I don't want to be that person that, you know, I have people in my life that were angry all the time. And I just really don't want to be that. So, so, but when I started practicing the presence of God, it's like it just fell off. It did something to me where, where it was, uh, it was like, it wasn't even there. And, and I like to think of it like in, in John chapter one, verse five, it's talking about Jesus. And it says that he is the light. And it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So picture this, my anger and my rage is that darkness in me. And now I'm inviting God into my mind. And it's like a light switch goes on and darkness can't be there. So God and the darkness in my mind and in my heart cannot be in the same place as my anger, as my lust, as my addiction. So just by doing that simple thing, I mean, it seems so little, but sometimes the littlest stuff is the most powerful I'm going to share just one more um, experience where I saw this being practiced while the worship team comes up. And uh, it, it was probably about 10 or so years ago. Um, we were working in South Carolina and there was like this convention happening. And so I decided, hey, I'm just going to jump into that. And it was like a week convention. And there was probably like three to 400 people at this convention. And at the same time, there's this other guy several states away having this huge revival. 
And you're just hearing all these crazy things happen. And like people getting healed, people on the streets getting saved, just awesome stuff. Like how it probably looked in Pentecost when, you know, the Holy Spirit fell and just masses of people getting saved. So we're hearing about this at our little convention. And we find out the last day of um, the convention in the evening session, this guy is going to come. And so it's like, well, that's really cool. So this whole convention was pretty amazing. And so it's the last day of that, of the, the convention and it's the morning session. And then that evening, the, the guy is going to come. And so, um, I decide I'm going to just hang out at the building and wait because there could be a line. I don't know, you know. And so uh, the rest of the family decides we're going to go get lunch and do this and that. And I'm going to hold the spot. And there was only a few other people standing around. And as the day goes on, more people are starting to trickle in. And that some of them are like, I'm so excited. I'm so glad to be here. And I just can't wait till this evening. I was like, yeah, this has been a great conference. Have you guys been here the whole time? Oh, no, we're just here tonight for this. I was like, oh. Okay, I see how it is, you know, and and then their friends would come and they're now, you know, kind of standing with me and all their friends are gathering and all of a sudden I'm I'm being pushed back and I'm like, dude, I've been to Best Buy on Black Friday and I never get, you don't see this pushing back and they're like, oh, but we love Jesus, you know, and we're just here to be like, you know, really good Christians and you're freaking cutting in front of me. And I start like that. You know how I said I struggle with anger? So it's starting to build up in me. And I'm just like, I can't even believe that they're talking about, you know, God and, and doing this kind of thing. And I've been, you know, to concerts where it's just like heavy metal and you get in there, and you mosh, and they don't cut in line. And so I'm getting angry and more and more people are showing up. And it's definitely more than the two or 300 people that have been there the whole conference. And, and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy and he's sitting on this jacket and he looks like he's in the mountains of Colorado and the trees are everywhere and the birds are singing and he's probably got a babbling brook and um, and I just, it stuck out to me. It stuck out to me so much. I, I still remember it to this day and I'm watching this and there was this peace just like radiating off of him. Well, then like an hour goes by and they open up those double doors and 30,000 people are trying to shove their way through. And, and um, I'm still paying attention to this guy and he just gets up, makes his way in. And, he's, and when he gets in, he's not rushing the stage. He's not jockeying for position. He's not trying to get recognized by the man of God. Like, hey, I hope I get a word of prophecy that tells me, you know, I'm gonna be great in Jesus' name. But he just finds his place and he sits down and it, it was like I knew he knew who he was in Christ. Like that Christ was fully aware of him. And he didn't have to be recognized by the man of God. He was recognized by the king of kings. And he knew who he was to him. And I believe that that is what it means to be practicing the presence of God. Everyone is concerned about their future. And everyone is bogged down by their past. But not many people are actually living in the present moment where God is alive and active. Now, all these moments are behind us and we don't know what what will take place in the moments ahead of us. But right now, this very second, 
God is surrounding us in the ocean of his love. We're going to be moving into ministry time. And so as the ministry team comes up, they're going to be up here to pray. All of us are, you know, have things going on. God made a great world, but life is really hard. And what's great about being part of the community of branches or being part of the community of God is we don't have to do this alone. And, and I am not ashamed to get, if I'm going through something, I will beeline it up to the prayer team because I know that prayer is powerful. And I know that we're all broken. And some of you are maybe going through just hardship in your relationship with your spouse or, or with your children, maybe even a, having a hard time with a parent. We're, we're here right now to just pray. So if, if, at all, you guys feel like, yeah, I, I should get up there. I need prayer for even the smallest of things. Come now, come, come and get prayer.